Well, good morning, everyone. Um, this morning, I am going to be speaking on integrity. And, yeah, the impetus for it, as um, Peter has said, comes out a little bit out of uh, Dean's speaking last week about growing in wisdom, but more so from Trevor's um, speak, uh, sermon two weeks ago in regard to squeezed or shaped. Are we being squeezed by the things of the world or are we being shaped by God? Um, integrity is a huge topic, but I reckon we should knock it off in 20 minutes or so, don't you think? <laughs> um, I'll just speak on a few aspects of it. But right at the outset, what I want to say about integrity is I believe it is one of God's greatest blessings to us, and it's one of the most satisfying outcomes of our Christian walk. On the 30th of June, 1976, I was glued to the TV set as New Zealand runner... Dick Quacks swept past another New Zealand runner, Rod Dixon, uh, to challenge the Finnish runner, Lasse Verin, um, in the final straight of the Olympics 5,000 metres. To Quacks and Dixon's and many others' surprise, Verin held them all off, all the way down the straight, and in doing so became the first runner ever to achieve the double-double. That was, he won both the 5,000 metres and the 10,000 metres at two successive Olympics. Because he was in such great form, he actually um, he entered the marathon a couple of days later and got fifth in that, just for, just for good measure as well. I think in that he was trying to emulate, for those you know, who may remember, a Czech runner called Emil Zatopek, who won the five and the ten in the marathon, all at the same Olympics. Um, so, that was Virum. But in the few days after the Games, murmuring started to come out. How was it that Lasse Virum had run so well when he hadn't done anything really of note between the two Olympics. And then, then the whisper started that, uh, that the Finns practiced blood doping and that Viren was a blood doper. Blood doping, in its, just quickly, in its, in its most simple form involves you take, go to the athlete and take some blood out of them and you put it in the fridge, in the freezer. And the body then, having a deficit, replenishes that, as it does in all of us. And then as you get close to the competition, you put the blood back into the athlete and the advantage he gets is with an over, slight oversupply of blood, there is more oxygen-carrying capacity, so therefore it helps your endurance and that sort of thing. And um, Viren, in denying the charge, jokingly said that actually his secret was drinking reindeer milk. <clears throat> but the accusations persisted, and in 1984, um, a Finnish runner was actually caught and disqualified, um, losing the silver medal in the 10,000 metres. Regrettably, athletics has gone downhill that, down to, since that time, to the point that at the moment the IAAF, the International Athletics Federation, is, has before on its table that it's going to scrap every world record and games record that was, that was created before 2005 because they just believe that oh, there's just too much blood doping and, and uh, drug taking that's gone on in that. So I guess why am I saying all this? Well. Athletics was my sport, as you know, and in fact, for a few years, it pretty much dominated my world. But starting with the Viren claim, right up to last year when a coach is being investigated, an athletics coach being investigated for being a coach who actually injects all his clients, all his protégés with all the banned substances, but keeps them, monitors them carefully to make sure they stay below the records. From Viren to that, um, my affection, my interest, and my belief in the sport has been killed 
by its loss of integrity. What is my ex expectation of integrity? Well, you know, I wanted to see the 12 best men line up on the start, the best trained, the fittest, without any additives, no anything what at all, because then I could be confident or have the belief that the best man won. But now I find, uh, you know, after when I learnt that, that actually you look back on that race and it has a whole lot of different perspectives, such as there was gain or success to be made by a dishonest means. One or several persons had cheated to get an advantage. They were taking any means to, to win. You know, in the Bible, they were using dishonest scales. As you look at it, it starts to create some disillusionment about the credibility of the competition. And it actually casts aspersions on all of the competitors. Which one is, which one isn't, who can I trust, and that sort of thing. And you also start to think, well, what sort of moral or ethical standards do these people have? Um, they're all living a lie, or well, some of them are living a lie, and they want us to believe it, that what they've produced for us is true. And with that comes actually some disillusionment and suspicion with the heroes. You know, is, was there, did they really achieve it? Is their achievement really admirable? And, you know, just at the end of the day, what we've watched actually isn't reality, and it doesn't have integrity. So, I guess starting off, what is a vision, what is a, a, um, a definition of integrity? And I'll use two here, uh, in a fairly broad brush. The quality of being, of being honest and having strong moral principles. And secondly, the state of being whole and undivided. And you know that with it, there's a whole lot of words associated with it in the sense, you know, honesty, uprightness, honourableness, good character, righteousness, virtue, decency, fairness, sincerity. Dr. Henry Cloud, who many of us know, wrote that brilliant book, with um, uh, co-wrote of the brilliant book, Boundaries, has written a book called Integrity, The Courage to Meet the Demands of Reality. And in it, he states that the journey towards greater integrity is a journey towards reality. That is, um, a, a reality state where nothing is false and where people are seeking to be authentic, genuinely authentic in the way that they live. And really, it's, uh, the journey to reality is actually the same journey that Jesus has us on. You know, his desire for all of us is that we'll eventually be rid of self-puffery, pretending to be what we're not, um, that we'll have the courage of our convictions to stand against the flow without fear, to stop chasing self-gain and reputation, to be comfortable in our own skin, to be rid of the fear of man. Here's a big one. And that nor will we seek to gain advantage over others or to put them in their place. You know, he wants it that we will have a good name. And the Bible's full of the plans and desires of the Lord for our life. And I just want to read one, Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart, whose tongue utters no slander, uh, who does no wrong to a neighbour, casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person, but, who honor, but honours those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts, and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things will never be shaken, as we know. 
For us, all of us, our, our journey of integrity started with our parents. They wanted us to be people of integrity, so they started to build it into us. And as those of us who are parents, we carry that on as well. Um, used to really bother me when my kids told lies because I worried that it would become a bit of a habit for them. And I'd tell them all the time, look, you know, you've got to be known as someone who's truthful because if you're not, you'll struggle to build successful relationships with people, good friendships, because if you lose your integrity, it's darn hard to win it back, as we know. You know when we want our kids to be respected, um, we want them to have a good name. We want to know that when their name is mentioned, that people will speak well of them. That's for all of us, you know, we, we, parents or not as well. And a good name is so important. I mean, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the name Lance Armstrong? Rolf Harris. Bill Cosby. Bill Clinton. Steve Warner. Steve Warner. Steve Smith and his mate, Dave Warner. Yeah. I remember being a bit stunned at a work conversation um, some years ago. And a woman was talking about her trip to Australia. They'd been on the Gold Coast, and they'd been to a few of the theme parks. And she said, oh, yeah, theme parks, the, the rides are really good. But, man, they're expensive. Um, especially because she had a 14-year-old son who had to pay adult fares. So she said, she said to him, tell them you're 12. And he said, they just looked at her. He just, he, sorry, he just looked at her. She's, and she said, so I said to him again, tell them you're 12. So... I guess she did save her money, but what was the message her kid got from that is the question. And I guess while we may see that as a, as a bad message the, the woman gave her son, and we wouldn't do it, the truth of us is, of course, that none of us have complete integrity, you know, nothing like it. For example, how many times have you answered a question falsely when you're placed on the spot? Does this look good on me? Looks amazing. Do you like my updated Facebook profile? It's the best, man. Yeah. Coming to my party on Saturday night. Wouldn't miss it for anything. Actually, that's, um, th that's when I need to turn on myself a little bit because uh, when I, I did this really poorly in my teenage years, um, I'd be saying yes to any invitation that came along. And back then, really, I was more concerned that... Um, if I didn't say yes, they'd think they didn't like me or, or, or think that I didn't value them. Um, the fortunate thing was I had a couple of friends who called me out on it, um, helping me to realise that saying yes and being a no-show was actually worst of all. So it was useful, yeah. How many times have you heard someone say that they're going to do something and you know for sure they're not going to do it? How many meetings have you sat in and people say, yeah, I'll do that, but they're not, you know, you know they have no intention of doing it. Or to turn it around... How many times have you said you'll do something and you haven't had any intention of doing it? Um, do you have FOMO, fear of missing out? Or the new one that is, I'm told, is FOBO, fear of better options. I will come along to your thing if something better doesn't come along in the meantime and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not on Facebook, I never have been, but I've, there's one thing that intrigues me, that, because they come up on your emails at home and they say, so-and-so um, uh, would like, so-and-so asks you to like their page or something, something like that, have you seen that one? Like their page. Do you feel any pressure about that, that I'd better go and say I like it, or you know, that sort of thing as well? Yeah. What does your social prof media profile look like? Is it artificial in any way? Do you overblow your skills? 
um, and abilities. Nudge things up a bit so that you look a bit better. And these, this is what I believe was some of the things that Trevor was talking about, you know, because these things, they're great pressures on us. You know, are we being squeezed into the ways of the world or are we able to step outside that and be shaped by the Lord? There's a lot of pressure to be squeezed, we know that. The good thing is, though, we're not on our own. Those of you reading through Genesis at the moment, via the word for today, it's the book it's going through, are reading about plenty of integrity failures when, and when they happen, the people involved run to the pump in some way. Abraham twice lied about, uh, about his relationship with Sarah. She's my sister rather than his wife because he's afraid, he's frightened. Isaac did the same thing with, with Rebecca. Abraham's wife Sarah uh, was asked by God why she laughed when, uh, when she was told she was going to be having a baby in her old age and she lied. Well, I didn't laugh. Sort of always intrigues me that if that was God right there, you you fib direct. Most of us fib sort of a little bit more indirectly in a sense. Fib to God here, but the Bible's full of stories of people like you and I who struggle to remain integrous in different situations. The good thing is the Bible's also full of the love of God for forgiving them for their mistakes and errors. How many times do we read? I will, remember, I will forgive their sins and remember them no more. Or, of course, as we know, 1 John 1, 9, confess our sins, faithful and just, to cleanse us from our sins and from all unrighteousness. However, on the other side, God is relentlessly pursuing us in his quest to build our integrity by building our lives in him. He who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he is organizing circumstances that build our lives up in every way to transform us into the perfect character of Jesus. And though some of those circumstances put us under real pressure, but he's doing it to train us, to test us, and to grasp. You know, the verse in Hebrews 12:5, you know, my dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline and don't be crushed by it either. Um, it's the child he loves that he disciplines the child he embraces, that he also corrects. So what are some of the things, that we practical ways that we can build our integrity? And for me, the key one comes from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.37. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Simply that. Um, but it, that embraces a few things, really. So firstly, I think you know, you've got to do everything to fulfill your promise. If you say you're going to do something, you should just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Unless there's some really good reason you can't. Keep your appointments. Again, just another matter of integrity. You remember that, that electrical company that had the jingle a few years ago, we're on time or it's free? Yeah, there shouldn't be jingles like that in our lives at all. Um, because I just part of it, I think, is that you, we should be punctual. Um, are you a person who's perennially late? Because if you are, you're actually disrespecting the people that you're, what you're doing or the meeting you're going to. But what you're saying is, look, you can start the meeting on time if you like, but I won't be there. Or you can have dinner ready at 7 o'clock uh, as agreed, but you know, I actually probably aren't going to be there till 20 past and all that. Uh, yeah. Also, I think what we really need to do as part of that is really think before we make commitments. Um, that is that you really need to attach value to your yes and your no. It's really important that we do that. 
And I guess as part of doing that, we have to learn to be comfortable with saying no at times as well, to be no-sayers when that's the right thing to do. So that's one. Yes and yes can be no be no. Second one is to have the courage to examine how you react in knee-jerk situations. What is it that can cause an extreme reaction in you if something is raised? Now, the one we often talk about is, um, is driving, that often people who are usually very sedate and mild people suddenly are infuriated when some cuts in on them or they stall at the lights or those sorts of things, and, and we often laugh and smile at that, but we know it's true as well because it happens to a lot of us. But um, sometimes we, we have a knee-jerk because we're stressed or we're tired like that, but also there are other things such as, you may recall David um, Rudell of Living Wisdom used to talk about having unbearable feelings, you know, hurts or traumas that we have encountered in our past, but we've buried, and we bury them as best we can, but when they get nicked, when the nerve gets pushed, it flares because it's still sitting there and it hasn't been dealt with. You know? And um, you know, one example of that in the Bible, you remember when Nathan confronted David about Bathsheba in your eye? You know, he flared, he burned with anger because the spot had been touched. You know? And you know, to have the courage to look for those things, to examine them, to try and understand them, and seek help so that it can be released from them in that way. Third thing is to perhaps to consider the skill, the habits and the skills you need to develop your integrity. Um, you know, Romans 12.3 encourages us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to think soberly um, as God has dealt to each of us a measure of faith. Do you need to improve your listening skills? Do you, these are just some examples, do you leap to defend yourself if someone confronts you with something so you're actually not hearing how it affects them because you, you're actually defending yourself first of all? Do you find yourself a just judgmental person or do other people find you a little bit like that? Um, do you need help to ensure that your phone and computer behaviour stays pure? Um, do you struggle with patience or tolerance or things like that? These things are different for all of us, you know, some, some and all that, um, but yeah. Go, do we need to look at those and get to those? And lastly, what you tend to find in a person of integrity is that they tend to speak well of others on a consistent and constant basis, and they keep their negative views to themselves. Part of the journey of looking at some of these things may involve some sort of action on your part. It could involve restitution, you know, as Zacchaeus did. He, I'll pay back everyone who's robbed me. Uh, or an apology, or a humbling in some way. Um, you know, and I just want to ask you, have you got something sitting on your conscience that's been there for a long time and just needs to be dealt with? Um, Jeanette and I were just talking about this on Friday before we went away when we did one of these things, and she felt in her past that um, she needed to contact um, one of her uh, neighbourhood girls in her neighbourhood when she was a kid and apologise to her for, um, for, for being a bit of a bully back in those days. Um, I, in my mind, um, contacted a, a supermarket owner and apologised to him for the chocolate bars I punched when I was in his employment. But, yeah. yeah <laughs> One critical aspect in building our integrity, actually, is we cannot do it on our own. We just can't. We're actually too full of ourselves, often, and like to see ourselves as not too bad, really, or conversely, we're way too hard on ourselves and need someone to lift our self-perspective. Or sometimes we can be a, a mixture of both. 
And it isn't something we can do on our own because we all need people to encourage, to correct, to build us, to believe in us, to hang in there for us when we struggle. Someone who has the guts to show us our blind spots, our biases, they'll give us feedback, they'll be honest with us, they'll be real with us, and they'll even put up with us when we don't like having a fault pointed out, which none of us do. I don't. But yeah, um, And that's the way actually that God grows us and one of the big reasons we need to stay together and be as a family together and have people within it. He's growing us because he, we're working on those things. Yeah, I mentioned sometimes Jeanette and I have come home for something and I thought, oh, that went pretty well. And she says, actually it didn't. And uh, then proceeds to tell me why, which is humbling, even galling, even galling sometimes. <laughs> but it's useful, it's always useful. Yeah. So I just want to say, so what are some of the benefits of growing in integrity? And, and at the outset, I'd like to say that while a lot of elements of it are really worth in, uh, aspiring to, um, integrity isn't a skill uh, we acquire or a qualification that we achieve. It's something we become. Um, you know, often people work out of integrity or can do, perfect, can do integrous acts, um, but a person of integrity acts out of who they are. So as we do, what are some of the benefits? So as we grow, we'll find ourselves coming to a lot of the benefits that God has for us. Um, firstly, a closer, a more, relation, a more intimate relationship with him. You find that you have self-respect um, and you're able to hold your head high. You tend to have an inner peace and a clear conscience. Um, what tends to happen with people of, of integrity, as you know, is they become highly regarded and respected as trustworthy um, by those who get to know them. They tend to have nothing to hide and there's nothing sitting in the background that can incriminate them. They have strength of character. They are people who are genuine and upfront. Uh, you'll be a more real person. And, and as with Trevor being squeezed, you tend to become more deaf to the allures, the temptations of the world. In fact, you actually become the other way around because you will be the light of the world and you'll be shining even brighter. And those are just some of the benefits, but you know, they're not just tick boxes for us to get because I believe that as we are transformed, so our directions and our motivations change because people of integrity, they don't live for themselves. Um, they'll be working even more for God and for others. I love it that God has total integrity, that he is the model that we can measure everything off. And I, as I've said before, I just encourage you to take time to dwell in, on aspects of his character, you know, his integrity, his purity, his holiness. You know, it just always draws you into his presence and to his goodness. And just that confidence that he is the God, he changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no shifting sand. His standards are immovable. He's set and he is the moral compass. And to me, that's just really reassuring. I mean, you look at the world today, there's a lot of talk out there that our God actually is old-fashioned, he's draconian, um, and he needs to get with the times, actually. Um, he needs to upgrade the terms and conditions of uh, living in this modern world. And, you know, that he's irrelevant because his truth is unacceptable to the truth we have discovered for ourselves today. 
there's only going to be one possible outcome of that as we go forward. Um, I just want to touch a little bit on the second definition of integrity that I mentioned before, um, and that is that integrity is a state of being whole and undivided. And you know, we all come to God as broken people with broken integrity, but I know that some people operating with, with, with integrity, consistent integrity, is actually a real challenge. You know, their background has trauma in it. Um, they've had a really difficult upbringing where truth or loving relationships or environments just weren't established, um, where they're constantly put down. They may have trust or anger issues or, or as I mentioned, David Drell's unbearable feelings. Others may be battling sins that they uh, continue to stumble over. People with damaged self-esteem or self-image, self-doubt, don't always find integrity easy to keep. You know, people who have trouble with boundaries struggle as well. And I really care, I recognize that and really care about that. And, uh, and so does God. I mean, I came from a background of uh, two good people, actually, who had a lot of uh, integrity. But um, they really struggled to see the good in themselves. And it was a real shame. And so they, they wavered as they went through on that. You know, God really cares about us. Um, and again, this is where he wants to use his people to just help. And for those people, you know, perhaps they do need to get some professional help and guidance to, to take them forward. Um, but other than the structures within us, you know, your home group leaders, can they pay a, play a role in it? Or the Paul and Barnabas, you know, get together with someone who can take you along. Um, perhaps you may need to get along to some of the monthly strength finders because they're all about helping you build integrity and confidence and peace within yourself and those things. Um, or later on, we've got a couple of those cleansing streams courses that that may be something that would be good for you to go to. But what I really want to encourage you is if you're feeling isolated, please don't stay that way. You're not on your own. We can't, none of us can do this journey by ourselves. None of us can. I'd like to finish with two prayers from Psalms 51 and 139. Let us pray. <clears throat> Excuse me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. <clears throat> Cast me not away from your presence, nor take your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and sustain within me a willing sustain me with a, with a willing spirit. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Really happy to talk to anyone if this was raised and so would any of the elders or a trusted friend. Is that me? Um, yeah, really happy to talk with you, to pray with you. Thanks. Thanks.